Hello, everyone. Um, I decided to have a little daytime podcast. I usually don't do this, but this is live from Mexico City, uh, from where I live. Very soon, on the 1st of April, I will have been here for one year. One year I've lived in Mexico City, and I'll be honest with you, it feels like it's been maybe six months. I left the amazing Portland, Oregon. Hi, if you want to join on the chat, please join us. Go ahead and hit the ad. And just to let you know, I'm doing this live on my TikTok as well. So it's OB3RT underscore TikTok to join me there. So please join me if you'd like to send out a request and I will jump on board. I can talk to you about life in Mexico City. Any questions you have, any ideas, things that you think would be fun, go ahead and shoot me a line and I can tell you anything you need to know that I know of. I've been pretty lucky. I have almost 5 million views on my pictures here in Mexico City. I don't think it's anything special. I just think that uh, people are wanting to know more about Mexico City. It's a very colorful city. I can talk anything from comedy to, in fact, I can talk to about politics as I've jumped in and have some opinions. Um, I'm both a Mexican-American and a citizen here in Mexico City, so I have some depth. Uh, if you want to speak Spanish, I can work through my Spanish with you as well, and it's good practice for me anyway. Usually at night, I do a podcast where I do poetry in Spanish with my Spanish teacher from Spain. Usually that's like two in the morning, unfortunately. So if you'd like to join me, please jump on board and join me and we can have some talks and talk about life in Mexico City if you'd like. So that's what it is. Mexico City, I jokingly say it's kind of like a city, uh, it's Europe wrapped around a burrito. And the reason why I say that is because there's so much here that's European as far as the city, the stones, then the street, the buildings. Obviously, it's a lot older. Uh, not a lot older, but it's, you know, eight. I guess Mexico City is 500 years old. Uh, I found out that Zacatecas is 550, 440 years old. So actually, Mexico City was, was first. Not Mexico City, but Zacatecas was the main major city in Mexico uh, prior to Mexico City becoming the, the capital. The fascinating thing about that is that's where uh, Zacatecas is rich in in all of the black gold and silver and a lot of natural resources. And so that's why, in fact, you see many there. That's why it started there. So if anybody wants to jump on board and talk about Mexico City or talk about other things, maybe speak a little Spanish, um, because, you know, I'm not perfect at it. <laughs> I'm still learning. I've been here one year, like I said. Please jump on board. I'm on OV3RT underscore TikTok. And it'd be great to talk to you and chat a little bit about what I'm seeing in Mexican, Mexico City, the things that I think are awesome here, and uh, some of the politics I see around here. If you follow me, you'll see that I talk about that a lot in the different projects I'm working on in film here in Mexico City. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been part of any of the film projects here. I just send out my IMDb and my credits, um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know why I don't get precise. A lot of stuff that I see here are American-made films and American-made commercials, in fact, and uh, I just haven't been made part of it yet. Who cares? Having fun. So if you'd like to talk about all these things, uh, make sure you, you send me a follow or send me an ad, and I can add you into the channel. But this is basically life in Mexico City, and that's how I see it. Of course, I'm an American, as well as a Mexican citizen. I have dual citizenship, so I have a special uh, privilege to be able to do 
and go across willingly across both borders. So if you'd like to talk uh, both in English or in Spanish, just let me know. Jump on board and we can have a discussion about life in Mexico City and what I see is pretty awesome here. Uh, if you want to talk politics, of course, I, I can talk politics. <laughs> and if you want to talk um, things in Hollywood, of why I left Hollywood and decided to come here and pursue other opportunities, uh, it's basically a pretty simple formula. Um, I think that uh, Hollywood's a great place, has great, a lot of creativities, a lot of creatives, uh, but unfortunately, um, I participated in a lot of things there. I just felt the culture was a little... Anyway, I believe everything south of the United States is actually pretty amazing as well. There's almost a billion people south of the United States that speak language, Spanish. So I felt that if I wanted to acclaim audience, that perhaps I should do that. So I'm here in Mexico City working on projects for our film crew in, in the United States, but also seeking out opportunities south of the United States. Mexico is a current political agenda, uh, political organization is in charge by a president named AMLO. He's a good president. He's the president of the people. Mexico City is, in fact, uh, has a AMLO party politician, but she's mostly an Americanized politician, and I don't really think that she has the best interests of all people here in Mexico. She seems to be more focused on herself. She's a woman, and nothing's wrong with that. But the problem is she seems to use that as a calling card and using the sexist, sexist idea of Americanism to try to promote that. Um, I'm not pro-America here. Um, I'm basically pro-Mexico, saying that every country should take care of itself. And unfortunately, Mexico has a lot of its own resources. I've had some great conversations on here with teachers, teachers in uh, the area in Mexico who speak English and speak Spanish. I found that very fascinating as well on the, on the past conversations because we have a lot of the same interests. I was an educator for, for 20 years, and I found it fascinating um, that we had the same ideas. Uh, and the same ideas were uh, that Mexico is a very uneducated city, um, not we're on country, not because of by design, uh, but I think maybe because by design. <laughs> you know, it used to be a huge manufacturing uh, country, Mexico was. Back when I was a kid, I used to go across the border because I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, and my mom used to buy uh, raw sugar and raw flour and raw beans and big sacks, and we'd take it across the border, and we would use it for a good couple of months, and then she would go back and replenish, and we'd go back to Nogales, and we did this for many years. I loved the culture of Nogales back then. Now, recently, I was talking to my mom, and she said she'd gone recently back to Nogales, and she didn't like it very much because it become commercial. It became too commercialized, meaning there was too many um, American-style businesses there that kind of took away the the cool element of why we liked going to Nogales. That kind of brings up Americanism. I, I use the word uh, Americanism to define when something has become westernized to the point that the owners are no longer the local people. They're owned, they're owned by corporations from other countries. And so that means that the money is being made locally, but being spent probably elsewhere, especially like in the Americas. Uh, so, so I feel that 
that Mexico needs a good, good uh, in, in, insulin of their own people with their own businesses. And sure, they can have it Western styled, but not Americanized to the point that it has. In fact, the funny story is I have a young person who works with me and he is part of a dot com here in Mexico City. And uh, he's got American investors. Uh, and the problem was I told him he needs to move away from the American investors, not because they weren't, it wasn't good money, but because it turns out the American investors were taking advantage of him in low wages. So they were paying him very, very low wages uh, in, in high end on stocks. And he kept thinking, oh, I can become like a, a, like in the old days where companies gave high, uh, a lot of incentive with stocks. Microsoft did that. A lot of big companies did that. Ironically, those companies don't do that anymore. <laughs> and there's a reason why they don't do that anymore. Uh, the reason why is because that was one of those drug addict things. We'll give you uh, the drugs for free for a while. We'll give you incentive to sell, and then eventually we'll pull all away, and you're not going to have any of that. That's how I see it. If anybody wants to have a conversation, please jump on board. I speak English and Spanish. My Spanish is uh, still in fifth grade, so please forgive me as I Google search things, uh, but I'll try my best to communicate. I came to Mexico City on April 1st of 2021, April Fool's Day. Um, everybody kind of teased me about coming on April Fool's Day. And I kind of teased myself about coming on April Fool's Day. But I left Santa Monica, California, and I left my nice apartment by the beach and decided that I wanted to try something different, try a new opportunity in this last quarter of my life, and try to figure out things that were uh, amazing, that were not in the United States, driven by the U.S. economy. And plus, being a, both a Mexican and an American citizen, I also felt that there was an opportunity here that needed to be explored. What was that opportunity? Well, from a business perspective, it's basically having a culture within a culture take care of itself. That was the opportunity. I noticed that AMLO, the president here, was taking care of Mexicans. Uh, his focus was taking on taking care of Mexicans, and he wasn't seemed to be so concerned about taking any money from the Mexicans, uh, becoming rich like all the others. For example, Pina Nieto, who was the last president here, he actually took his money and ran. Now is living in Spain. The president before that, actually, or his two presidents before that, he actually also took a lot of money, and now he's living in Ireland. But ironic thing about him is that he actually came to office by election fraud. So, so the, the whole thing uh, smells of corruption, and there's many other presidents that I can go through the list. Even unfortunately, I really do do believe that Emblo has a bit of corruption on him on his arms as well. I think the mayor of Mexico has a bit of corruption on her as well. And you, you, you boil all this down and you try to say, well, what does it all mean? Well, you know, American politics is pretty corrupt right now. Uh, I think what's happened over the last election really showed that. And when you think about all of this together, you have to first have an honest conversation in order to solve the problem. Uh, as, a, as a training, um, I'm a project manager by profession. So that means is I do a lot of huge IT projects all over the world, and I most of them are done remotely even before the pandemic. And I do film, so that film side is kind of the storytelling side of what I kind of see through my mind. So what I can tell you is that over time, people have, have politicians have become a little bit, how do I say it, 
uh, infiltrated by the, by the, um, how do I say it? I'm trying to be nice here. Infiltrated by the want of fast money, uh, which is the American dream, right? When you really get down to it, the American dream is to make as much money as possible with as little work as possible. Can't get around that fact. That's what the American dream is. Uh, the reality is if what happens uh, about 10 years ago, I came up with a, a postulate and I said, what happens if there's no new customers? Like what happens? Um, I happened to travel all over the world so for some big, big major corporations. And what I learned, if anybody wants to add and have a conversation, please add yourself. When I traveled the world, um, I, I would notice, for example, I was in, in China and I was in uh, South Korea. And when I, what I noticed was kids wearing Nike outfits, Nike clothes, Nike shoes. The reality is those shoes and those, and those shirts were being made in that country. So they, they were knockoffs or they were overflows. So when you, or, or, or you know, maybe they, weren't, they passed the quality inspection, so they sold them locally. Uh, what I can tell you about that, though, is I kept thinking, what happens if this continues? What happens if the local economy can make the products that they're selling in America at a higher price? Well, once I thought about that, I said, well, what happens when there's no new customers? That's when I started realizing what's happening in the world today. Uh, there's a finite number of people in the world. There's not an infinite. There's a finite, which means that there's a finite number of customers in the world as well. So when you have a, a number of fine finities, uh, the problem is free enterprise, uh, America, uh, I guess, what is it called? It's the right business word. I got to get it in my head. But commerce is not based on infinite. I mean, it's based on infinite. But what happens when there's truly finite? That's where we are today. I believe that we have a lot of situations where we're in finite economies, where the economies have been saturated, and we have big corporations trying to find new customers and uh, trying to in, be in charge of that industry, which is, you know, monopolies um, is something that our government has constantly, uh, constantly made sure we didn't have. So the question becomes, what happens when the corporations expand to new countries, they become part of that country, and now all of a sudden you are in a monopoly? In many countries. Let's take Bill, Bill Gates, for example. Bill Gates, he, he uh, in the IT shop, in the IT world, uh, we used to tease whenever a virus in the, in the, in the 2000s, 1900, 1996s, the 19, oh, 2002, 2003, we used to tease when a virus showed up because we thought it was, oh, it's Bill again. He's bought a third party, a third party company. Uh, they they write viruses. They sent a virus to to Schwab, Schwab where I was working, and now we have to fix it. Luckily, Microsoft then again would have this solution. So they gave us so we would tease it. They gave us the bug as well as they gave us the solution. And it was a great business model. <laughs> okay, uh, perpetual perpetual business, perpetual commerce. Right, you create the problem and then you have the solution. So uh, unfortunately, uh, we live in a time when we kind of see that everywhere, everywhere. Uh, I don't know how to solve it because clearly this isn't a thing that we can solve um, 
we can solve. It's a political solution because unfortunately the politics, um, they have the power. We, the people, give them the power. But what happens when those politicians are in fact corrupt themselves? Now we're in this big, big mess. Um, I tease people about attorneys. I, I studied to be an attorney and I stopped after an ethics class because I came to the conclusion that uh, being an attorney, being in a legal mind other than writing, is really about confusing the jury. Uh, confusing the jury in such a way that they end up believing you more than they believe the other. And that's a strategy. Uh, sometimes facts do not matter. Because in the end, what you want to do is get the jury to believe something different than what the facts state. But what happens when you take, you know, we used to call that yellow, yellow journalism. We did that in, um, I guess, the war, the Korean War, with the leaflets. They called it yellow journalism. The leaflets fell from the sky. The only intent of that was to confuse the local people. We're seeing that today in Ukraine and in Russia. What's the truth? Well, I'll be honest with you. I have friends in Ukraine and I have friends in Russia. My friends in Ukraine who do work for me are asking for the work. So uh, if there's a huge war, why aren't they being influenced? My friend from Russia who owns a barbershop, and actually he's a, he used to own a barbershop in Venice Beach. That's how we became friends. So he moved to Russia over the last four or five years, and he's still working his barbershop every day. So when you see uh, what's being reconciled with the media, I'm just like, this is crazy. What's the truth? You know, I asked them how things are going. Oh, yeah, things are crazy. But, you know, I still cut hair every day. I asked, you know, I mean, there's not, uh, there's not things being blown up everywhere. Uh, in Russia, obviously, that's not happening. In Ukraine, I asked her how things are doing. She basically says, well, things are rough. Uh, we're hoping that things get better and they come up with a solution. So she's getting bombed. If all these things are happening and they're saying, oh, Russia's advancing to... Uh, Russians are dropping dead left and right. And you look at the stats, and the stats don't make sense either. Somebody brought up an interesting point that 7,000 Russians have died recently. But when you look at what happened in Iraq, though it only totaled 4,000 deaths in, what, 12, 15 years. So you have to start start questioning everything that you're seeing because because really what happens when there's so much power and control in our media that we don't have truths being stated to everybody. So when it boils all down, you know, I'm here in Mexico, so I have to look from the Mexican perspective. And in the Mexican perspective, I ask myself the same question. Uh, what's best for Mexico? And that's kind of where I'm coming from. I look at what's best for Mexico. Mexico has all its natural resources. They're able to, uh, to live on those natural resources without any issues. Um, we, in fact, you know, before NAFTA, we were very strong, very, very, very strong. And then all of a sudden, I remember th living in the United States, I would hear people say, oh, it's made in Mexico. Echo en Mexico, it's no good. Echo en Mexico, it's no good. Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, when NAFTA happened, uh, the politicians sent everything to China. Well, things in China aren't made very well at all, actually. In fact, the metals are inferior to the Mexican metals. The metals, the, in fact, if you look at your cardboard box lately, um, those are very inferior. They break apart like crazy. In fact, how I can tell when a product's made in, Mex in Mexico or how it's, or it's made in China is by looking at the cardboard box. And I instantly, instantly 
figure out who has better products and where the product came from. So, but what does that all mean in the world? It means nothing because if you have major corporations who are making their products in foreign countries and those foreign countries are then shipping into the United States, then it doesn't matter anymore because it doesn't matter where the product comes from because you're going to pay the price. And that's the one of the thing I had the biggest problem with. Um, I used to work in the, I was big in the IT industry, obviously. And inside the IT industry, um, I traveled the world doing IT. All of a sudden, one day, I found I was no longer traveling around the world because I built data centers for these foreign countries. And now those people were working within our country, that country, which was fine. But they were also doing call centers in the United States at a lower wage. So I believed, OK, they're doing call centers at a lower age, wage. Then we should see a reduction in our prices uh, for products. But that never happened. Of course, uh, during, the during the 2000s, what we saw was labor switch over to China and to Korea's and then and to uh, uh, some of the other Asian countries. So labor was cheaper, but none, none of our products ever came down in price. Then what we saw next, we had an oil, oil embargo. The oil embargo, this is all in the 2000s, caused the gas prices to go up. It means it, because all of our products have, prices have to go up. And what, lo and behold, the prices never went down again. Even though labor was down, even though labor, even though gas prices were now reduced over time, and now we see that the price of the, of the, of the product has been highly inflated. Well, you have to think about what that means. What that really means is that the people who have making the products are now making more revenue, especially if they bring down their costs for labor. After you build your infrastructure in any one business, it's labor that's going to eat you up every day. I know when I had all my cafes, that's what I was always concerned by, labor, labor, labor. It wasn't my rent cost. It wasn't my cost of goods cost. It was truly labor that drove me crazy as a small business owner. What if, in fact, I could take that labor and I can ship it overseas and then I can service my coffee drinks uh, with labor from overseas? Well, that's a beautiful model. <laughs> okay, now I have the best of both worlds. Well, I would like to introduce you to Starbucks. And what I mean by that is here in Mexico City, it costs you 100 pesos for a venti chai that's the same size as a grande in the United States. Well, the ironic thing about that venti chai here in the United States, it costing you 100, 100 pesos. Labor is only 200 pesos for a full day for an employee. So now we have the shift of the model where corporations come into Mexico they charge the, the, the lower layer labor wages to do the same work as the United States. But in fact, they keep the prices inflated or, or higher uh, because they can, because the consumer wants a product that's unique. And so they pay higher. But at the same token, what happens is the Mexican economy suffers. It suffers because the money that's being spent, that gap of money, isn't being spent in the United States. I mean, in Mexico, because it's going back to the corporation in the United States. So we have very few companies that are following the, uh, a model that cares about uh, Mexico. So which brings you to another scenario, and that's the Chinese model. The Chinese model, Starbucks, I actually met the owners of the Starbucks and the Chinese model. And the Chinese model, Starbucks, what they do is they don't allow Starbucks to over, in fact, overinflate the wages compared to product to the pricing model. Now, when you say, how do they do that? Well, it's because they're a communist country. So they, they, they force it. They don't let it happen. They don't let the product go higher, product costs go higher than the, the price cost for the consumer. Now, is that a good thing for the Chinese? 
Well, I don't know. I don't live in China, so I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is that the party in, in communist China makes that money. So it doesn't, you know, it stays there. Hi, D. I see somebody new came in. Good to see you. Um, if anybody would like to jump on board and have a conversation, I'm talking about various things. Dast, how you doing? And uh, if you'd like to join, just send me a message and I'll join you. We're talking about life in Mexico City, a little bit of politics, a little bit of my ideas if I think about life. And uh, you can either join me in the conversation or you can say I'm full of crap and leave. Or you can have a discussion and we can have a great conversation about how I'm wrong and maybe you can convince me or I can convince you. So anyways, that's what we're doing. Um, I usually have that podcast late at night at 2 in the morning and I do Spanish. But right now, um, I decided to um, have a conversation now because I was having some problems with my podcast recorder and I needed to work on it. So I decided to do a podcast today. I've also found it was kind of fun having conversations with different people from Mexico at night because it seems like at night they jump on board and we have conversations in Spanish and in English. Um, I'm a fifth grader basically when it comes down to Spanish. Uh, but if you're patient with me, I'll look it up on Google and we can have a conversation when I don't know a word. And that's why I mean by fifth grade. Sometimes I get my, uh, 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 anyways, I get my things mixed up a little bit. My pronouns and my adjectives are, uh, I, I get them mixed up. But sometimes I do it perfectly and, you know, it's perfect. And sometimes I just forget words or I don't know words. So if you want to join me, just make sure to add. I was talking about the uh, labor in Mexico City. Uh, the day labor wage for a Mexican here is about 18 is uh, 180, 160, 180 pesos a day, which translates to nine to 10 bucks US a day. Also to let you know that um, I no longer go to the Starbucks here because they're price gouging uh, Mexicans. Meaning, and what I mean by that is if I go to uh, Starbucks and pay for a Vinci drink, it's the same size as a grande. And then at the same time, but it cost me a hundred plus pesos, 109 pesos which means I'm paying six to $7. So when you really think about it, uh, you, Starbucks, at the price of two drinks, they pay a full day's wage for an employee. Now, it's a great business model if you're Starbucks. It's a horrible business model if you're a uh, Mexican, because a Mexican worker, because in reality, you're getting manual labor wage, you're, you're earning manual labor wages, at the same time, the product that you're selling is at premium. Because you remember, the venti is being charged at the same size of a grande. That means that's a quarter less product being used um, in that drink. So that means not only is the Starbucks here making five times as much on, the, on not having to pay wages, they've actually, um, I forget what the word is, where they've actually taken the price volume down uh, so they're making, uh, they're saving on cost on milk and different products. So that way that they are making money uh, three different ways just on a sale of a drink, uh, which is great. It's a great business model. That's Americanism to its T. Uh, but unfortunately, it's also abusive and on the labor model. And it's actually, I believe, abusive to Mexico more than anybody else. Now, if somebody can convince me differently, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, because I haven't seen this happen. In fact, I can tell you another example. There's a uh, shopping mall outside of the downtown where I where I live. It makes sense. I live right by the Zocolo in the Park Alameda. And uh, what I find fascinating about the two things is that I can walk 
through the through the, through the Moreno um, uh, Modelo main stripway here, where all the commercial, where all the Starbucks are, where all the Kentucky Fried Chicken, all the American brands are, and all the high-end clothing stores. And I look at the tennis shoe prices, and they are just skyrocket. In fact, I was telling my mom when I first came here last year that I wouldn't buy a pair of shoes here at all because they're 70, 80 bucks for a pair of shoes US. That makes no sense. Uh, so my mother would tease me and say, well, it's, you know, if it's no different, why do you, would you care? You saw what you pay in the United States. I said, mom, that's just ridiculous. So anyway, I looked around and I found a place several blocks away that were actually 30 bucks. Now it took me a couple months to find the big shopping center here in Mexico City. And the shoes were 15 bucks, okay, 10 bucks. And then I start realizing, okay, these guys are just taking advantage. And, and so what's really happening, though, is it's not only these national brands, United States national brands take advantage. It's also the Americanized politicians, especially in Mexico City, like the mayor, that are taking advantage. Because they're trying to ump, amp up and show how that they're so successful. But they're really not amping up. Uh, what they're really doing is they're actually abusing their own people so they can look good in the eyes of the Americans. That way they can get money for donations or whatever they're doing. And however, the back door of the money comes to their pockets. Um, so I tease a lot. I go, oh, yeah, Fox has a, has a, has a home in, 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 in Hollywood. And a lot of these government officials that work in Mexico City are trying to do the same thing once they expire their their time as a politician like the mexican president only has six years and that's all he can do he can't repeat it he can't do anything different but it's just it's not ironic that you look at pina nieto who has a home in spain that isn't ironic okay that was by design he took money however he got the money who knows how and he ran and then you got the other guy before him who stole the election here and he actually has a home in ireland and uh, he lives with the wealth of money from Mexico. And now he has a home in Ireland uh, because they don't want to get prosecuted or they don't want to be um, come down here in Mexico anymore because they got what they wanted, which is money, obviously. In the end of the day, uh, I, I used to say this about young people. Uh, you can see their temperament by what they really want at the end of the day. That's kind of what I'm seeing here. <laughs> okay. and But, you know, what's right or wrong? Uh, I, I don't condemn any of these past presidents, and I'm not just saying that because, uh, you know, I'm here in Mexico City and I don't want to be their adversarials. I'm just, I'm not saying that at all, actually. I don't care about being people's adversarials. I'm just saying that because what I'm seeing is a difference between um, uh, they, they accomplished what they needed to accomplish to do what they wanted. So they served what they needed to do in the end. So I'm not against that. They can do what they want. So, hi, how you doing? I see Another person, I'm just randomly talking about various subjects that pop in my head. If anybody wants to join me in a conversation and talk about Mexico City and life in Mexico from my perspective, and you want to introduce your perspective, I'd love to hear the conversation. Um, we're just having a, I have 20 more minutes for this for this podcast. So if anybody wants to join me, please, please join me. Send me a message and I'll add you and we can have a discussion about various things that are happening in the world, especially here in Mexico City. I have a bit of an opinion, okay, and they're just my opinions, clearly. Uh, I know some of them are factual. Some of them are based on my gut. Uh, some of them are based on the years of life I've lived and had a pretty open mind about what I'm seeing and a closed mind about things that I understand. So if you want to join me, please join me. If you want to 
hablar en español, yo puedo hablar en español también, pero mi español no es bueno, es, por, es, por, es como una, una persona en grado 5, ok, pero si tiene pentencicio, we can actually, uh, I'll Google things for you. So, um, pareces paisano. I'm a Mexican uh, and an American citizen. So, yo puedo votar en, 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 en países en Estados Unidos, también en el país here in México. Yo puedo votar. So, es una paisano, no sé si es una paisano. Yo, yo un hombre de, de muchos días. <laughs> Esto. Soy un actor prim, prim, primero y también hace películas y hace muchas cosas que, que yo gusta en artes. En artes. Y, um, if you'd like to talk in any two languages, please, you know, um, uh, You know, let me know. Yeah, sí, yo soy un paisano. Yo, yo, tiene la, yo puedo votar en, en, en México City. También yo puedo votar en Estados Unidos. Uh, pero yo vivo aquí. Yo, yo pienso que este país es más bueno por mí porque yo pienso que, que hay más oportunidades. Uh, en, y yo pienso que en, 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 en Estados Unidos hay muchos problemas. Problemas que, que yo pienso que no quiere... Uh, no, no más en mi vida. Uh, no, no, no más, no más. Sí, 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 pasando y con mexicano. Sí, yo soy un mexicano. Sí, uh, que, que habla un poquito español. <laughs> ok, all right. Sí. Here I'm adding somebody on board. Um, and hopefully we can have a great conversation. And I hopefully won't stumble over all my words. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so definitely, uh, if you'd like to have a conversation, please join on board. Uh, we can have some talks, um, and we can talk. You know, cuando está un chicano en Estados Unidos, uh, la parentes no quiere los niños hablar español. Porque el acento es muy mal. Uh, ahorita un acento es bueno en Estados Unidos porque hay muchos mucho políticos, ¿cómo se llama? Uh, identity, and identity políticos y, y dice ok uno uno amigo de hablas español perfecto yo puedo hacer este trabajar porque tú hablas español yo, yo necesito uno pero no es no es una vida bueno como esto yo pienso es muy mal porque tú tienes uh, tú es una 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 persona que trabajar en un trabajo muy especial porque tiene la lengua problemas de inglés no es realidad okay? Porque no, no, no es realidad, no es bueno. Yo pienso que personas hablan español o hablan inglés uh, no es importante. Pues que es importante de, de, de puede trabajar bueno, la, la trabajar. Okay. Es, es más importante. Um, ahorita, cuando yo, cuando um, estaba niños, mi madre nunca habla español. Uh, en, en el teléfono con, con amigas y hermanos, sí, uh, ella habla mucho español, y, pero most of the time, nunca a los niños. <laughs> okay. uh, so, um, yo hablar como un americano, sí, no sé, no sé. Um, uh, yo practicar cuando vienen, venga, vengo aquí uh, un año después, 
en abril 1, 2021. Vengo aquí. I guess es 2021. 2021, I guess. No sabes correcto. Pero vengo aquí y practicar mi español. Además, porque aquí en México City no hay muchas personas que hablan español. I mean, inglés. Y es bueno practicar para mí para hablar español. Y las personas son muy, uh, es, uh, ¿cómo se dice? Todas las personas aquí son muy uh, patient. ¿Cómo se dice patient en español? En patient, patient. Patient. Todas las personas aquí tienen muy, mucho um, paciente. Mucho paciente para, para hablar conmigo <laughs> en español. <laughs> okay. So, um, um, some people were speaking Spanish to me online. They, they disconnected because they were texting. So, either they didn't understand me or they, uh, uh, I answered their questions. Who knows? Um, like I said, once again, I'm talking. I'm here in Mexico City. We have about 20 more minutes more and I'll just connect. Just wanted to have a little time to talk to people and speak about uh, life in Mexico City as I see it. Um, I, I, I don't really see it as an American because I'm a Mexican and grew up in the United States as a Mexican uh, with Mexican culture deep in my bones. Uh, we all, you know, like Mexicans, we have Mexicans, Chicanos in, Amer in America have very strong Mexican moms. Um, the family unit is important, just like here in Mexico. The um, When there's no family unit, because it's been broken apart, either because mother and father are no longer together. Uh, in the United States, uh, family, extended family becomes very important. Immediate extended family becomes very important. Uh, that's no different here than in Mexico City. I work with some young Mexicans here that are street vendors. I actually are teaching them film. So if anybody wants to donate to that project, uh, it's, it's, you can do that. It's called uh, and Venmo, uh, U R funny, U spelled U, the letter U A R E funny on Venmo. And what we do is I take the kids, I have three kids, they're teenage, 13, 14, 15, to our 13 and 14 year old brothers. What we do is we, I teach in the film industry and, uh, For example, we went to the pyramids the other day and we filmed, they filmed, the, they always film or use their cameras uh, to show shots. So I'm trying to teach them perspective right now, different locations. Uh, so we uh, had one of them act as a scout and he, the location manager. So he actually had to get us to location. I had another person who was the youngest boy who actually uh, was the money. He held uh, all the petty cash. So he had to pay for everything. And then we had another guy who was head of the waters and milk and food. And then what he had to do was get the money from the petty cash people whenever we wanted to purchase anything. So the whole idea was to teach everybody how to work within a film crew that's real and how we do in real, in real life. So anyways, I think that um, I've been talking for a while, so I'm going to go ahead and cut off. I'm getting a little tired, but it was nice talking to everybody. Have a great day, and I wanted to test my podcast, and maybe it'll come on again later. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.